Welcome to the Corporate Coven Podcast, a show where we will co-create the future of work in the age of Aquarius, using contemplative career practices and holistic human resources. I'm your host, Jessica Munson, aka That Witch From Work. What's up, witches? Welcome back to another episode of the Corporate Coven Podcast. I'm recording today's episode on a brand new microphone, so I'm feeling very fancy, very official, and also very conscientious of my breathing patterns and how often you can hear me swallowing into the microphone. So I am sorry in advance about that, and I'm really excited about where the podcast is at right now. I have a handful of episodes lined up for release about different things happening in the world of work legislation that I find especially fascinating at this point in time. But what I'm going to talk about on today's episode is the Midheaven. And I'm talking about the Midheaven because right now my most popular offering is in fact the Midheaven special. You can book this on my website, go to my book now services page. You'll see it there. These are 30 minute pre-recorded sessions that I will email out to my clients. And we just do 30 minutes dedicated to the Midheaven placement in their chart. Now, the intentionality behind creating such a short and sweet offering is to really allow folks to get to know me as their astrologer. And something that is unique about me and the way that I approach astrology is that I have a formal background in mental health counseling, which actually a ton of astrologers have. I'm someone who actually specialized in career counseling. Now, I've said this on previous episodes. I have long since been obsessed with the world of work. I love to share the example that when I was in high school and I was a member of the organization, the Future Business Leaders of America, I competed in things like resume writing, job interviewing, and business ethics, and things like that. So it really shouldn't have been a surprise to me when I found myself working in human resources, nor should it have been a surprise that I chose to specialize my advanced degrees to career development, career transition, and career choice. In my master's program, we had an entire track dedicated to career counseling. And this is so much more than job search materials. So much more. Something that was heavily emphasized in my program from my professors, in fact, is that anybody who works with someone as they are developing their career in any capacity benefits from having a background in mental health services or counseling or therapy or some similar background because it's the awareness that life is not so easily compartmentalized. That's old school mentality. We used to believe that who you were at work is something different than who you were at home versus who you were when you were with your friends. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. And I think there was a slow and gradual change to that perception. 
that was accelerated with the pandemic when so many people were forced to work from home, potentially for the first time, when so many employers had to figure out how to allow employees to work from home. And all of a sudden, you're all of the things at once. A parent, a caregiver, a dog mom, a plant mom, someone that has to do all of the things all at the same time. And it became very, very messy. But I actually began my master's program with that awareness and the understanding that as someone makes a decision around what to do for their work, they have to be able to be in a space where they can talk about their relationships, where they can talk about their insecurities, where they can talk about their traumas, both big T and little t traumas. They need to be able to talk about every aspect of their life because actually their work has a direct impact on every aspect of their life. And so as I was studying to become a career counselor and beginning to work with clients, and in the first couple of years, I worked almost exclusively with students, we had to talk about that. What is your perception of yourself? What is your privilege and access? What do you believe is possible? What do you desire deep down? What are your strengths? What is your experience? As well as what's on your resume? When did you last update your LinkedIn profile? What's your networking strategy? Who are your target companies? We had to ask all of these questions to get the fullness of the experience and to really be useful. That's even language that I've maintained ever since I even graduated is asking clients, how can I be useful to you? Not helpful, because helpful is actually open to interpretation. Was that helpful or not? Well, there's a lot of opinions on that, but utility is something different. How can I be useful to you? So today what I want to talk about is the midheaven, and I hope that it will be useful to you as you consider your own career and your own chart. And we know before even beginning this episode, that while we dedicate this space to discuss the midheaven, it would be an incomplete perception of the natal chart and the usefulness of astrology in constructing a career story without looking at the entire chart, every aspect, every placement, every transit, because that's actually your life, the fullness of your experience, and it takes all of it to really inform and to understand your career path. So what's a midheaven? Well, it's different than the sun, moon, mercury, etc. because it's not actually a celestial body. You cannot look up into the night sky and see a midheaven. Rather, it's a calculated point in the chart. So it is absolutely critical that you are confident in your birth time to ensure that you have the correct midheaven placement because it's calculated based on the day that you were born. We use your ascendant sign. And really what the midheaven represents is the most southern point in your chart. And if you've ever had a reading with me, then this is about the time that I pull out my annotation tool and I start coloring on your natal chart. The ascendant line represents the eastern horizon, 
And the midheaven represents the south, the most southern point in the chart where the sun was most illuminated. It was at its peak that day. It was giving off the fullness of its light. And if you think about the sun's responsibility in our life and in our solar system, solar energy is consistent. The moon as a luminary is phasal. It changes. Sometimes we see it. Sometimes it's a crescent. Sometimes it's, you know, waning, waxing. Uh, sometimes it's not even there at all, right? But the sun, we can count on. It will always rise. In fact, it will always rise in the east and set in the west. We can count on this to give us life. And because it is so consistent, we've actually used it to create a calendar and a way of keeping track of time. We recognize its value in the way that it warms us, in the way that it helps the food around us grow, in the way that it helps cleanse different things. This is a very important solar light, right? It's consistent and it is life-giving. And so why do we use the midheaven as a point for career? Well, because ideally, folks find themselves in a career where they get to embody the qualities of the sun, where they are life-giving or where they experience life-giving. So how do I provide service to those around me? But also, what gives me life? What gets me out of bed in the morning? What do I look forward to? We want to ideally be aligned with careers and jobs and work or service opportunities where others can look at us and see the light within us. I often think about the concept of flow. This comes from positive psychology. What activities do you do where you are energized when you're finished doing them and not depleted? You could do them all day and lose track of time. That time tracking is, again, really important when we think about the midheaven, when we think about the sun. The sun is how we keep track of time, and it also dictates what hours we work, what hours we wake up, and when we sleep. And our career does something very similar, doesn't it? It controls and influences when we wake up, what we wake up for, what we get out of bed for, how we are seen and how we are recognized. And so this is, again, ideal, quote-unquote, Ideally, we find ourselves in a position that brings us joy, that lights us up. And when we are doing what we love, we provide that light to others as well. We're consistent. They can count on us. They can rely on us. If you need this done, this is the person that you go to. They'll enjoy doing it. They'll do such a good job. It will be a pleasure to work with them, a pleasure to witness them. Right? And so when we talk about career, there's a few different elements that goes into our work, right? There is how we generate our income. There are the daily tasks and activities that we do on a regular basis or some cadence. There's, you know, quarterly schedules or monthly deadlines or the things that we do every day, like checking our inbox or something like that. And then there is the the services that we provide, the industries that we work in, the people that we work with, the education that we need to do our work or our activities, our professional network or our private and personal network, the creative things that we get to do, 
There's, there's a lot of different aspects to this, but the midheaven represents where we find meaning and mattering in our work. And truthfully, not everyone seeks meaning and mattering in their day job. And so this is why with the midheaven, I talk about being a channel for this type of energy, being a channel for exhibiting that solar energy, that which is life-giving, that which fills you up, that which is consistent and energizes you and gives you life. Okay, this doesn't always exist in someone's day job. This doesn't always have a relationship with what someone does for work. But this does provide them a sense of meaning. I don't know about you, but I have been, I have like an on and off relationship with the reality TV show Alone. And for those of you that don't watch this show, essentially the premise is that they take these 10 contestants and drop them basically in the middle of nowhere. They are given basic safety tools and then they're allowed to bring 10 tools from home. And the point of the show is just to see how long they survive alone. They're completely isolated from the world. And so you can imagine how difficult this would be, not only for faring the elements, trying to feed yourself, but just the mental challenge of being isolated for so long. And I've watched a few seasons and something that a lot of contestants will say as they're battling the mental strain of being alone and trying to survive is to keep busy, finding something to do. They're constantly working on projects or whittling something or setting traps or or something like that. One of the keys is to find something to do, to find yourself employed in something meaningful in some way, right? Not necessarily productive or useful, but meaningful for them. And that's what the midheaven is. It's this opportunity to find a sense of meaning because that actually helps get us through the day. Now, for me, meaning is not equivalent to purpose. Purpose feels a lot more karmic. Purpose feels a lot more cosmic. Meaning is just, how do I make sense of my time? How do I find myself engaged in activities which um, help the time go by faster, helps distract my mind, helps me move through something that could be difficult for someone else? Like, how do I move through this? How do I derive a sense of meaning in my service? And that's honestly all that jobs are, okay? Like every job exists because problems exist. The only reason that jobs exist is because we're all out here trying to solve problems in some capacity. When an employer posts a job listing, it's because they have problems they want to hire you to solve, okay? So we want to naturally find ourselves in service where we get a fair and equal exchange for the value that we provide for that service, but ultimately, it will never be fulfilling for us unless we can derive a sense of meaning and mattering in the work that we do. This is where really excellent employers have a way to help every employee connect the value of their specific role to the overarching goals of the company or the problems that they're solving for their customers. It's how you derive meaning in the work that you do. And I think this is especially true. Like I have managed call centers and trained call center employees, um, as well as worked with like, you know, bussers, retail agents, like basically any entry level job and a handful of industries I've supported or trained or worked in those roles myself. And 
turnover is ridiculous. It is really, really hard to retain those positions. But if you can help connect them with a sense of meaning and purpose, as well as compensate them fairly for the value that they bring the organization, it's so much easier to keep people around when they feel like what they do makes a difference. It's meaningful, right? I have a sense of mattering. My job matters. What I do matters. And when you're trying to identify that for yourself as an individual, because you might be thinking like, oh man, I don't know if I've ever been in a job where I felt like I mattered. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever had a job where I felt like I derived a sense of meaning from the work that I was doing, right? So if you want to get more insight into what are the types of activities or work environments or problems, what problems do I want to solve that would help me explore a sense of meaning and mattering and purpose? Well, we look at your midheaven. In the charts that I read for clients, because I'm a whole sign house user, the midheaven generally falls in one of three houses. It can fall in the 11th house of broader social networks, humanitarian efforts, big communities. It can fall in the 10th house of your career, social legacy, or public image. And it can fall in the ninth house of your higher education, long distance travels, uh, broader philosophies or religious ideations. And so it falls in one of these three houses, which means that not everyone finds the environment for meaning and mattering in the same way. Some people find it in maybe volunteer or service roles in what they do outside of their day job. Some people are very fortunate to find it exactly in their day job and in the bodies of work that they do where they get compensated and sustain their life for it. Other people do it by living that true nomadic, I'm just going to float around the world and travel all these different countries and I never really have a like, you know, a consistent job or, you know, something like that. It just it varies for everyone, but um it's it's less about being tied down and more about being like a global um, you know, person in what, in whatever capacity. So we want to know where the midheaven is placed in the chart, which house it falls in. We want to know the zodiac sign. And the reason why we want to know the zodiac sign is really we, it's best to understand the modality and the element of the midheaven. And that's really what the zodiac sign is telling us. If you have the midheaven in Taurus, we're thinking about what is fixed. And what is earth, right? What is the desire? What is the experience of fixed earth in the midheaven as opposed to mutable fire, you know, Sagittarius, um, you know, how, how are those different and what are their unique needs and how might someone try to honor what mutable fire wants to do or what fixed earth wants to do? The modality gives us insight into the energy that someone um, finds themselves working in with their midheaven. A mutable person wants to move around quite a bit. You know, they might have a handful of different jobs going at the same time. They might be in startup environments where they get to do a lot of different things and have a lot of variety in their tasks. They might be a contractor, a consultant. They might be someone who just cannot keep a job for more than a year. They just can't help it. They have to change companies because they have to change job titles because they have to change industries because they have to change, right? They need to move about. They need freedom to to grow and to experience and to explore. Someone with a fixed midheaven is more of that 
staid and steadied person. They like consistency. They like stability. They like the experience of being, you know, like a subject matter expert. I know the most about this because I've been here the longest or I've studied it the longest. I have a depth of understanding. I work really, really hard to gain a level of competence and experience. And generally we get that by having cycles underneath us. If you work at the same company through multiple years and multiple quarters and you start to experience the cycles of the organization and this knowledge gives you the ability to be more influential and anticipate what you're going to be working on and therefore you're going to kill it you know you're going to excel um, you're going to be more in tune with the natural rhythms of the business someone who has cardinal energy in their midheaven wants to begin new things this is someone who has really excellent like startup entrepreneur um, or like, I'm just going to start early. I'm going to get it going. They dive in, they commit really early on. Like, this is my path and this is what I'm going to do. But it's that, it's that beginning. It's the trying, it's the diving in head first. That is really going to, um, get, you know, folks excited. I want to initiate. I want to lead. Leadership is a big thing on this being someone that other people can look up to and can count on because I've tried it. I've done this from experience. And then through the elements, fire signs are going to be very creative. They're going to be aspirational, inspirational, motivational, right? They're going to be passionate about what they're doing and driven to create and express and expand. Earth signs will be practical. They're going to be grounded. They're going to want tangible outcomes for their efforts. They're going to want methods. They're going to want procedures. They're going to want clear established guidelines and boundaries and rules of behavior. They're going to want norms, if you will. Air signs will want to communicate. They're going to want to connect. They're going to want to chat. They're going to want to share ideas. They're going to want to be strategic in how they think. They're going to want to ask questions. They're going to want to make sure that everyone's on the same page or translate something. Water signs will want to heal. They'll want to nurture. They'll want to connect in a more emotional and meaningful way, maybe even spiritual. Water signs will want to bring a sense of calm and perhaps even depth to the experience. And I always am very clear with people that you do not use the midheaven to assign job titles to someone. You will fail almost every single time job titles. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. I will say it until I am blue in the face and cannot say anything else. Job titles are flippant. They are fluid. They are changeable. They are updated regularly. They are redefined, reestablished, repurposed, republished. They are cyclical. They are phasal. They are too specific to industry and context and history. You do not ever try to guess someone's job title without having a conversation with them. It's not useful. It's not productive. And actually you can, you can put people into a corner and make it harder for them to make a decision by trying to be so specific with the interpretation in someone's chart. The gift is breadth. The gift is giving something really broad that they allow themselves to interpret and 
project themselves into the story that you're telling with the elements and the modality and uh, the house placement. Okay, so that's really what we're trying to identify. What is the channel? What are the what are the opportunities or the experiences or the desires that someone might have when they are trying to get a sense of meaning and mattering in the service that they provide? Not necessarily the work that they do, all right? Think of it as the service that they provide to the world. And then from there, we look at where the ruler of the midheaven is. Now, this is, you know, if if you're not familiar with this terminology, then every planet rules over a zodiac sign. And we use the term ruler because when we were, uh, I say we, I did not do any of this. When the amazing astrologers who came before me were translating ancient scripts when studying and learning about astrology, monarchies were the thing, right? And so we use the term ruler, but I'm that witch from work, head, work, head witch of the corporate coven. And I like to call it the boss because it's a little bit more accessible. It's a little bit more timely and relevant. And it's a little bit more on brand for me. I like to think of it as who's the boss of your midheaven? Because there are certain things that bosses are responsible for doing for us, right? And good bosses, I should clarify. This is what an excellent boss does for their teams in a work environment. Number one, they prioritize work. Number two, they manage and establish stakeholders. Three, they secure budget and other resources necessary for the work to get done. Four, they help communicate the value of your role and the results that you bring to the business and justify your headcount. And those are things that the boss of your midheaven does as well. So we want to check in with who's the boss of the midheaven and where is that boss at in your chart? So I'm going to go around the Zodiac wheel. If you are unfamiliar with this, I use traditional rulerships, but I will mention the modern rulerships as well. But just know that if you work with me, I do have a preference for traditional rulerships. So if your midheaven is in the sign of Aries, you will want to know where Mars is at in your chart. If your midheaven is in Taurus, you're looking for Venus. Midheaven in Gemini, find Mercury. Midheaven in Cancer, we're looking for the moon. Midheaven in Leo, find the sun. Midheaven in Virgo, you're looking for Mercury again. Midheaven in Libra, find Venus. Midheaven in Scorpio, look for Mars. In modern rulership, you might look for Pluto, but I definitely have a preference for Mars. Midheaven in Sagittarius, find Jupiter. Midheaven in Capricorn, you're looking for the planet Saturn. Midheaven in Aquarius, again, you are looking for Saturn, although modern astrology would encourage you to look for Uranus, Uranus, or Uranus, whatever your preference is on the pronunciation there. Uh, Midheaven in Pisces, you're looking for Jupiter again. And in a modern rulership, you might look for Neptune, which I'm actually a little bit more open to with Pisces on the traditional versus modern and Aquarius as well. But for me, Scorpio will always be Mars over Pluto. So once you can identify where the boss of your midheaven is, you want to do the same thing. What's the zodiac sign? Because you want to know what is the modality and what is the element? What are their natural desires and needs and how do they go about accomplishing those things? And you also want to look at what house is the boss of your midheaven in because that is where you are getting those resources from. 
right? That will give you more of the idea of how you secure and allocate budget and prioritize tasks and also where you might find some of those stakeholders. Although the managing relationships and communicating value, you could say you can derive more meaning and interpretation in that from the aspects made to the ruler or the boss of the midheaven. But, you know, we would also look at what planets are in aspect to uh, the boss of the midheaven or the midheaven itself. I've seen quite a few charts where there is a planet sitting right on top of or within a five or 10 degree orb of the midheaven. And we invite that into the conversation as well. So I am going to do a chart example just so that way you can follow my train of thought on this. And I'm going to be looking at the chart of one of my favorite musical artists, Stephanie Joanne Angelina Germanata, otherwise known as Lady Gaga. I am obsessed. So let's talk about Lady Gaga's chart. Uh, we don't have a really strong belief in the birth time that we can find online. And so um, this I'm open to this being incorrect. But for now, I think this is like a pretty fair, like a, a pretty fair like look at the chart. I'm open to this like changing, but I think it looks really good so far. So Lady Gaga, according to the birth time that I found online for her, is a Gemini rising and she has her midheaven at three degrees Pisces. And that is conjunct Jupiter at eight degrees Pisces, which is also the traditional ruler of Pisces. So let's break this down. Pisces is a mutable water sign. So when we think about mutable energy, we think about that which is changeable, that which flows as opposed to maybe like jumps around more like air or fire. Um, but with water, it flows. It flows about. It does a little bit of this. It does a little bit of that. But it's all going to be connected. It's all going to be very creative and expressive and artistic. There's going to be artistry there. There may even be a bit of fantasy. There may be a bit of um, illusion. I wanted to avoid using that word because she does have a song called Perfect Illusion. And I was like, ooh, is that too on the nose? Like, I don't know. If, does it feel like I'm cheating if I say illusion? But that's honestly what I think of with Pisces. You could say that there is an illusion that we are all separated, that the truth is that we are all actually one. Um, and that's a very like spiritual perspective, right? The idea that we are just one entire universe, but our like identity, our consciousness is just the universe experiencing itself from a specific lens, right? And so that's like the type of Piscean, like, is it this or is it that? Is Is there boundaries or is it just the illusion that there are boundaries? And I think that from my experience of Lady Gaga anyways, that's such a perfect embodiment. I have this really clear memory of her in an interview where the interviewer was saying, you know, oh, there's rumors that you are trans and that you tuck on stage. And she just very like straightforwardly was like, would it matter? Like, so what? And the person was like trying to like make her like say, yes, I am this or yes, I am that. And she was just like, does it even matter? Like, is this even a worthwhile conversation? So what if I did? So what if I don't? And I just feel like that's so like Piscean. And again, when we think about the opportunity to be a channel to provide this service, it is someone who can be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. 
Um, she is a singer. She's also a songwriter. She is an actress. She is an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, a creator. She does a lot of um, humanitarian effort with helping people with uh, identity and uh, sexuality and coming out of the closet and all these things. I mean, like, you know, she's the mama of monsters. God bless her. There's an element of Pisces, which is also very spiritual. And that's where we find the traditional rulership of Jupiter's influence. You know, Jupiter is like the, the main god in the pantheon. And because Jupiter rules over Sagittarius as well, and Sagittarius also has this religious and philosophical um, type of, you know, persona or perspective, if you will. And Lady Gaga has had a massive influence in her career and her songwriting and her storytelling by growing up in Catholicism. And there's a lot of imagery in her music videos. I'm thinking of Alejandro right now in particular, of her using religious symbols as part of her storytelling um, and what is portrayed in that way. And so with the traditional ruler being in the 10th house as well, you just see this in the chart of someone who is able to become really seen and recognized in a really big way, because that's Jupiter, for the artistry and the expression and the poeticism of their work. And a lot of Pisces actually does come out in music. And so I think that's really beautiful. If you were to look at the modern rulership, Neptune, then she actually has Neptune in Capricorn in her eighth whole sign house, conjunct Mars. And I'm bringing up the modern rulership just because I think it's really valuable to add context to the story and also because I'm not here trying to convert anybody into using traditional rulerships. That's my preference, but I don't think that makes other forms or interpretations invalid. So I want to bring in the modern rulership into the conversation as well. And so if you think about Neptune and Capricorn, this is someone who, um, when it comes to boundaries and things which are established, they might have a hard time like buying into that, especially because it's in the eighth house. We think of things which are taboo. Some people think, oh, eighth house sex, but for some people, sex is not a taboo subject anymore, or it never was. When we talk about taboo, we have to think about it in a cultural competency. However, um, you could say that sex is a theme that might be considered taboo because of that strong, like Catholic upbringing, um, and you know, going to to Catholic schools and and things of that nature. And she does have a strong theme of, um, like, you know, I'm thinking of like bad romance and Alejandro. I'm thinking of Born This Way. Um, Judas, there's, there's a handful of her songs, which are very much about embracing or confronting that which feels taboo around sex, sex, sexual orientation, um, and identity and things of that nature. But it's, it's not just that she's also, um, you know, she was known for being like really out there and doing things which really shook people up. It was really against what was traditional or what was like kind of like normal at the time. She really like pioneered a lot of that. And that Mars energy, like she works really hard. She dedicates, I mean, that's like, that's an exalted 
Mars there in Capricorn. She works really hard. Okay, think of like all the choreography and the songwriting and the touring and, um, you know, like the, the acting and like everything that she's put her body through and all of these things. Like she works very, very hard and has a lot of like contracts, a lot of in like investments with other people, like with Tony Bennett and working with different DJs and, um, There's another, like, really, oh yeah, Beyonce, right? Like having a relationship with these other musicians and artists, um, where like she's invested into things like with them and some of her wealth actually comes from her partnerships with other people in that shared like contract situation. And so this is the type of like thing that we look at in the chart. You can tell that like, you know, was she intended to become a super mega famous singer? Maybe, but you wouldn't look at her chart when she was a child and say, oh, you're going to be a famous pop star. You know what I mean? Like, instead, you look at this and, you, well, first of all, you never read charts for children in this way, trying to be predictive, first of all. Um, but you you just try to be more descriptive. You know, the opportunity in this chart to experience meaning and mattering at work has to be expressive. It has to be about oneness. There's going to be an uh, air of spirituality. There's going to be this ability to, in a very creative way, share poetry and poetic ideas about universal love and cosmic experiences. But you'll have a really big platform. You'll have a really big stage to do that. And some of that stakeholder management will come in like as you find success in your career, more will come to you, but you'll be able to do this all through your day job. It will all come from the way which you, you know, are seen socially and the public image that you curate will give you that bigger platform to express yourself and to even express the voice of a generation because Pisces is the cosmic water. It's the universal water. It's that which encompasses all of us. It's storytelling for entire generations of people or everyone who falls under a certain identity or belief system or umbrella. And you could also say that a lot of the sustainable, that's Capricorn, a lot of the sustainable success will actually come from contracts and partnering with other people and where some of the most success will come is when there is an expression of that Martian and it could be sexual. It could also be aggressive and it could be in your face or um, like show stopping in some way because that's that exalted Mars and Capricorn. So I mentioned that today we're only going to talk about the midheaven and that's because like I mentioned in a vocational astrology reading we look at much more than the midheaven but it is square one it is the starting point it's what we want to talk about what we would talk about in continued sessions is also the second house ruler of the second the sixth house ruler of the sixth we would talk about any aspects being made in those areas we would talk about the sun we would talk about the moon the ascendant we would talk about the lunar nodes we would want to identify where pluto is in the chart we'd look at the secondary progress chart we would look at the fourth house Jessica, would you just look at the, yes, we would just look at the entire chart, but specifically we would prioritize those conversations initially. So if you want more insight into your midheaven, follow that 
train of thought and that pathway of thinking. If you want help with it, though, you can book the Midheaven special with me. It's only nineteen ninety nine because it's sweet, it's bite sized, and I want it to be accessible to folks. And if you'd like to book a longer reading with me, make sure you're checking out my website for my current offerings. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. If this was interesting to you, be sure to check out my website. If you're still unclear on what I'm talking about when I say vocational astrology, you should consider checking out my blog on my website. I have an article explaining what vocational astrology is. And if you're having fun with this episode, please support my work, subscribe to my podcast, feel free to give me a rating, share this with your friends and other witchy peers, colleagues, and connect with me on other social media platforms. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, and I embarrass myself, but I have a good time on TikTok.